is Devin Kay, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. Welcome to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. This week, Devin K from Devin K and the Solutions and Direct Hit joins the podcast. Devin chats about dropping out of college to play music, the lack of joy he finds in working in a traditional studio setting, and the light bulb moment that led to the band trying a new way of releasing music. Limited Joy was one of my favorite records of 2020, and I've been a big fan of the singles that The Solutions has released so far this year. So check out the link in the show notes. Enjoy this week's chat with Devin K. What do you, what do you need to know? (laughs) Everything, everything. (laughs) Let's just jump in. Are you from Chicago originally? No. No. Um, From, uh, I was born in uh, Pennsylvania, Westchester, uh, the the area known for the Bloodhound Gang, um, the other guitar player of Taking Back Sunday. (laughs) Um, and, uh, there's some other dumb one that I always, uh, oh, uh, the, the CKY, uh, or yeah. the, 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 those guys. So that's, that's the trash land that I come from. <laughs> my, yeah, my uncle lives in Westchester and I'm in, oh, in Philadelphia. Oh, so my gosh. Yeah. ask him about Perkins because yeah. they got a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's awesome. What was, what was life in Westchester like? <laughs> What was life in Westchester like? Uh, I, uh, just like now, uh, was a big weirdo. Um, I lived out in like a, on a swat. Uh, so it started as like a, we lived in like a cul-de-sac that was almost like a bazillion houses in like a townhouse row. And that was weird, but that was cool because there was a bunch of kids. So, like, you could be friends and have enemies. I, we had, like, Lost Boys shit. I've actually never seen that movie, so I'm not sure if that's an <laughs> app, uh, <laughs> thing. But Were there um, vampires? Yeah, sure. Yeah. May as well be. <laughs> but, yeah, there would be, like, factions of kids. And that was, like, kind of cool. But, you know, I was always on the lowest rung. And then uh, I moved out to the middle of nowhere where there was only, like, one available friend. And so... Uh-huh. That kid sucked. So basically, I would just like hang outside in my backyard and like throw rocks or like play video games until I discovered 
uh, tunes. <laughs> so nice. that's pretty much most of the, my childhood summed up pretty quick. I was a, yeah. a little weir- little weirdo, uh, and I'm still kind of a little weirdo today. <laughs> so. aren't, aren't we all? Well, I guess yeah, not exactly. all of us. Those of us who are here in this space, we yeah. are all a little if weird. If we're doing this as a way to try and get attention, then we are. Yes. We're, <laughs> way, we're way past our gore. <laughs> yeah. uh, what got you into music? Uh, I come from a music family. So my parents, my dad was a uh, pro trumpet player oh, wow. for a bunch of bands. My mom was a violinist. Uh, who got to do a bunch of orchestral stuff, like played in Australia and shit. Um, but they gave that all up when they got pregnant with my sister. <laughs> and then my sister came out and played some cello. And then I was pooped out and didn't want to, um, I didn't want to do any of that stuff. So <laughs> I thought the guitar was way cooler. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I think as a kid, I just assumed it would be a lot less work, the guitar. <laughs> and then that w- that started the the road of me trying to get good at it over yeah i didn't try and give i didn't give a shit about the guitar i think until college like i loved it and wanted to play it but i didn't think about getting good at it until i decided to go to school for music uh or uh, my attempt at going to school for music yeah so, yeah well what made you go to school for guitar but other than I... just like i didn't you like i don't give a shit about anything else i just <laughs> want to play guitar and i can go to college for that and waste a lot of money or I I wish it was that simple. I think okay, so uh, I kind of didn't want to go to college right right after high school because yeah. uh, I had been working. Uh, I I've I've done a lot of my like outside of music work in in like small retail. Okay, and I had been I got a, a management position at GameStop as a kid, like way too young, like seventeen. <laughs> I had a key and like I don't know. I kind of dug it, and so. Uh, I was just like, I want to kind of work. And then that was just like, not like an option in my family. So I first went to, I mean, I was an okay student. I wasn't like a great student, but I wasn't gunning at getting into like the cool, a a great college. I had like other ideas. I wanted to start like on my own business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so I basically went to school for film. So I had a a lot of interest in, I was like in the audiovisual again if it's nerdy theater audiovisual, uh all that shit that was like that was my my mo and so i was like yeah i'll go to i'll go to school for like television and not not actually film i like was like i want to work in the news and i saw what that bucket's for so then i went uh and decided to switch to music performance uh because of exactly what you said the like just fuck it at this point I'm like weirdly stuck in this privileged position that I am too young to fathom. Yeah. Um, but also not mentally ready for, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in the spot yet where I was like, I'm worried about my future. I was like, or at least not in the sense of like, let's hunker down and do a bunch of studying. It was like, I would like to go see more of the, of the workforce and of the, <clears throat> of like the world. I'd been working since I was like 14 at mm-hmm. my dad's uh, restaurant. So like, I don't know. I liked, I liked working. And so uh, yeah, that, that led me there. I ended up going for music basically for like till one year away from getting a music degree. And then I got asked to tour in a band and I, I skated out of there, but it's uh Columbia college of Chicago. It's a pretty easy school to get into. It has a great, <laughs> 
pretty good art program. And uh, it's one of those places that if you do it right, you don't graduate. So all right. <laughs> <laughs> ask all the celebrities that went there, like uh, Andy Richter or Andy Dick or another slew of uh, Andy's, I'm sure, <laughs> that went there and, and went but didn't graduate. So <laughs> awesome. Is, is that what took you up to uh, Chicago was college? Uh, so we, my family had like a, that classic kind of early aughts, late nineties, well, no, I guess mid aughts, like quality of life change. So mm -hmm. my parents switched careers, like from being music teachers, essentially to their respective careers of like uh, restaurant management and all this other stuff. And, uh, just got a uh, my dad got a better offer which meant the whole family had to move to illinois i uh, honestly not embittered by that at all it was like <laughs> a great opportunity to get the fuck out of pennsylvania yeah. um not no disrespect to that trash rectangle but you know it's it is it is what it is uh so i got to go to a, a like a a school in illinois that I, I again, I'm, I'm making references to shows I've never watched, but I assumed like what One Tree Hill was. It had like two musical theater departments. It had like all this shit I wasn't used to. The, the, the school in Pennsylvania I went to had something called bucket duty, where if you were a <laughs> hall monitor and it started to rain, you had a key to the janitor's closet so that you could get buckets and oh put them God. under the holes in the roof. Oh, uh, it was so it was a huge change in what I was I was used to moving to Illinois it, but also in a way that I, I appreciate because I never want to go back to that it yeah. was it was like there's a Chipotle on every corner and only <laughs> big box stores like hey let's go buy a TV it's either Best Buy or the other Best Buy um so yeah there was no like I don't want to shit on Vernon Hills Illinois but there's no culture there it was yeah. just like it was like a, a, a shopping center. I believe on Wikipedia, it used to be called the central shopping hub to, to Libertyville, Illinois, which is the town next to it. So I lived in the mall town. Oh, right. Great. Yeah. And so spent a lot of time at the mall, uh, <laughs> spent a lot of time at the bowling alley and uh, driving around parking lots uh, and getting in trouble for doing that. Not doing anything, just being a kid in a parking lot because there's no act that place isn't designed for families or people it's designed for commerce and so that was where i lived for for three years and got the fuck out of there <laughs> and went to <laughs> went to chicago and, and was like i need anything i need like i don't care i want to go to a restaurant i hate that isn't max and irma's like i, I don't know <laughs> or some regional chain but yeah so <laughs> in a town like that was it tough for you to make connections or like uh find like a band like were you able to like be in bands in high school or start your own thing or oh uh yeah i started being in bands in in like the end of middle school okay. like <clears throat> like little dumb like kid bands uh that would play like the the you know you have you've got churches uh where i used to live so I, no, we never went to them but we used them for their sound system yeah um and you know there'd be bad covers covers sublime in the living end uh poorly uh biting off a lot more than we could chew and then in high school i started a band called k's place which is the exact lineup of what the solutions is now oh wow so trumpet trombone keyboard guitar bass drums that was like my dream idea to have a big ensemble group and we were terrible but great 
Like we were always the band that uh, loved to play with all the the better bands because there's always those kids that were like actually good at music yeah. and like would do these shows at the local show place and whatever all the parents would be there and be like oh they're so talented and then we would come up and be like let's well we suck at this song so here's some confetti in your face <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh and guess what i can't play this guitar solo so i'm playing it with silly string it was like we were i don't know i guess the earliest facet of what i understood was punk was that like we may not be the best but we're way better than you because we're actually putting on a fucking show yeah. and like everyone else is scared about hitting their solos and we're just like oh, i guess put a drum in here fuck it and it was <laughs> it was great we had a other a lot of the kids got and had a good time and then you know that broke up after uh after after high school we did like a, re a reunion show which was hysterical <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah that was that i've been playing it i've been doing tunes for a while in like a group setting kind yeah. of a deal so yeah looking back that's cool you said you uh, left college to because you were asked to join a band. What band was that? Oh, I don't. I hate. I don't <laughs> name drop that band. I hate. I don't hate that band. Okay. It's just I'm embarrassed of it. <laughs> but it was. It was a good thing. We were in an emo band from Chicago. Uh, we got to do some cool shit. It, it got me into touring. I joined the band afterwards, uh, after the fact that it had been made. The Going. singer <clears throat> left, and so then I took over, just lead singer and guitar. But none of the stuff that we did with me in it exists. So it's okay. like <laughs> the only thing that is even like archived on the Internet somewhere, maybe is like the record. I'm not even. So it's almost like I didn't even exist for like the four years I was in that fucking band. Oh, man. But we still got to like tour. We still got to play some cool shows. We still got into some wacky situations that taught me how to be chill on the on the road in the future kind of a thing yeah. <laughs> i'm very happy for those days i mean it was like the earliest touring in the sense that the drummer's mom like for the first tour like followed us for the first three dates kind of a thing i'm just like i just want to make sure you don't die you're never going to see me i'll be driving in a car three cars back and it was still like the greatest experience of my life despite that weirdness but also we were kids so i totally understood like yeah yeah, that's just what a caring parent does, um, opposed to just letting their kid get into a van and drive away. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that was that was them. And then <laughs> I don't uh, we got to do cool. We got to play at the Metro and all this other some bucket list stuff with that group. So it's not all for it's not all for not. I just don't. I don't get along with uh, some of the members anymore and I don't oh, want right. to make them feel like I'm talking shit about them because sure. I, don't, I, have, I have no negativity towards anybody. I just, yeah, no, yeah, the drama, the drama yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah. It, it was, it was a time. <laughs> yeah. We were kids, yeah. dumbass, yeah. dumbass kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was after that, the, uh, the AF uh, website says the solution was always like your description of the band. Is that what you went to after uh, that emo band was kind of the solo material. Yeah. And so it was like the solutions have been that moniker has been around like for like 11, 12 years or something. So like the first iteration was like just me playing open mics at my school under my own guise of me. And then it would be like, oh, I'm going to bring in actually two members from that other emo band. I'm going to plop them in here and make them play with me. 
And then I was like, oh, well, one of my best friends plays viola. May as well have them come in. And then, oh, I smoke weed with my buddy Jerome a lot. Maybe I'll have him play keyboard. And then <laughs> so it just kind of again became an ensemble because I like to mask my inabilities by bringing on other people that are more mm -hmm. talented than me. Uh, it's a good rule of thumb. If you're if you're not the best, have way better people around you. Um, and so I did that and we were fun. We didn't like we were still navigating what it what at least for me, like what being a band was like. I, my biggest problem with always being in a band is like money. Yeah, I don't I never have money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, it was like tough. We would we recorded these two like early demos, like in a real studio and it cost a shit ton of money. And of yeah. course, it was early on in the band's oopsie. That's my coaster, but uh, it's doing a great job. But um, yeah, we were early on in the band's life cycle. And so like, obviously those songs weren't going to be our best work, but then, you know, you sunk a couple hundred bucks to have some engineer remind you that you suck. Yeah. So that was like not a sustainable way. That kind of like started my frustration with recording music. Um, my like in a studio. So then it was like when we kind of we kind of stopped recording music for a little bit until we found a way to do it ourselves. So then there's an EP that's out that isn't out because it's not on the internet with that ensemble, that original ensemble um, called songs to sing with. And we did that all ourselves and I loved it. It's a little dated now. Um, so I don't put it up, but <laughs> uh, it's like a weird little proud point of like, Holy shit. This is the first time that we, recorded ourselves and yeah. it actually worked and like we didn't spend money by the hour we were able to get drunk by the hour and sit in a, in, in our practice space with mics and like mm -hmm. dick around until like a cool experimental-esque part came out and then you know <laughs> if it didn't work fuck it like get rid of it you can delete yeah. it like yeah. that started that whole so that's kind of like the backbone of what the solutions are today in the sense of how we make music it's got to we just do it all ourselves now because there's studios are so much. I still don't have money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fun, fun follow up to that story. I still don't have money. Um, but yeah. But now you're and not I, indebted. Well, yeah. But yeah. Two studios. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> keep putting it back into this this garbage. But then yeah. there was a big break because of uh, Join Direct Hit. We like to think that life's a dream. Us less than a camera on TV screen But what if waking up meant turning yourself off Would what you're left to live with still be close enough Would looking at ourselves through a different kind of lens Than glass or plastic drive us to the edge of insanity And still that red eye in the sky keeps blinking on and on things were a little different than uh i wasn't helming the financial side of the recording process or any of that i just i was just there with my time and presence so that was a lot easier and i don't know if you can tell i sometimes take the easy way out so no i mean obviously direct it was doing so great and it was it was really fun and still are but uh not we're not dead i don't know why i'm talking about it. it's like we're dead <laughs> but uh yeah that was that was kind of like yeah okay well i, I want to be a guitarist 
which means I want to play with whoever wants me to play with them. And then eventually I started helping writing songs and became a member. And so then, yeah, the solutions kind of took a, a backseat. We released like we did release a full length and an EP. Am I talking too much? I do no. this all the time. I'm so sorry. I don't even know. You didn't even ask. And I'm just going on. <laughs> it's a podcast about you. So you just, you just, talk, <laughs> I just right? I, I'm always so sorry to talk so much. Uh, yeah. yeah, we released Never Punt, which we did in a studio. And then we released Losing It, which was also done in a studio. So almost like a step back. I think we were watching Direct Hit and being in a studio going like, well, definitely studio must be the best way. But again, that sunk a lot of money and time out of my life. And I'm not happy with the final product. Yeah. Because like, when we were working in the studio, there, there was always somebody saying like, well, this tone needs to be this way or this needs to be that way. And it's like, I don't think you know best, but you also are the engineer. Your, your title is engineer. Who, who the hell am I to say that you're wrong? Even though in my heart, I knew it was um, frustrating and wrong to not have the sound you were looking for. Yeah. So that was really discouraging. And then then yeah, we kind of, the solutions kind of just disappeared for a bit and then direct hit was really busy. So we, we did that. <laughs> That's cool. What brought the solutions back? Just a uh, desire to, to write again and to, to do something different. Um, it was like a weird, it was weird. Uh, because it was kind of like a rekindling with my best friend, the drummer, Ryan Scotty, who's, I mean, not an original member by the sense that he wasn't there 12 fucking years ago, yeah. but is the longest standing and most important. It should be called Devin and Ryan and the solutions, essentially, given how long <laughs> Ryan has been there and shaped our sound. Best drummer I've ever, well, up there, top. He may be the best drummer I've ever worked with. I've worked yeah. with some really skilled drummers, so I always have a hard time. They don't even know how to rank each other. They're always arguing about it. Um, but Ryan is one of the most like across the board talented musicians. We get along over dumbass video games and he got married. Uh, he moved to LA and then met uh, with his future wife and then got married a couple years later and sent out an invite to me almost as if it was like this will, he'll, he'll never come. And so I, uh, you know, not because we don't like each other. We're just always so busy. We've yeah. kind of drifted apart. Um, but I decided to go, uh, cat, uh, my partner and I were like, Hey, let's fucking, let's do this. Like I, I miss, I miss this dude. And it was like this really important weekend where we like really rekindled our friendship, got to see each other. And then I floated by this idea of like, I'm writing songs again. Like I, I, um, I've got a bunch of demos. I might just do them under like De Devin or the glasses is what I've always wanted to call a band. Uh, if I, I had a, another band, but, um, he was like, yeah, let's do it. But since we can't get in the same room, why don't we just send files, uh, back and forth. And so we kind of started doing that. He would fly out on a cheap flight, stay for a weekend. We track uh, some stuff. Eventually I started playing in a band called the Jacob Horn trio, which is, uh, now, they're like a, I don't even know. I guess it's like a ska band, but it's it's bigger than that. It's like just a, it's like a rock band with horns, almost. Yep. Yeah, like almost Americana, and it's I love it. It's great. But I was like, well, Jacob plays guitar in that band too, but it is also a one of the the best trombone players I've ever seen in my life. Like gifted, 
And so we were like, why don't you play that instrument? Like, <laughs> like play that one with, with the solution. So then Jacob came in and added trombone to that, that little record. And then we added Jake uh, on bass who uh, replaced uh, Campy, the original bass player who went on to do other stuff. And Jake has played in some of my favorite Chicago bands, Truman and his trophy uh, who became meat wave and all this stuff. Basically, um, I got him <laughs> and that was the new solutions until Jacob was like, well, I know a trumpet player. And then we got Ian <laughs> and tr that's another, they're all from this music conservatory called Lawrence uh, in, mm -hmm. in Wisconsin. And they're all insanely gifted musicians. And I just, just lucky enough to rope them in with, I think like conservatory musicians um, are so good that a lot of them get, tired of of doing like the the really formal stuff and yeah. if you just give them something stupid then they're just like whoa fuck this rules so <laughs> luckily i was there with something stupid to provide them because the way i know that is that every time um i like write a horn part when it when it's when it's me writing it and not them their words are always like yeah it's cool all the horn parts in this band are easy and i'm like not <laughs> sure how to take that I, <laughs> Does that mean like they're 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 not good, or does that mean that you guys are just so good that these horn parts are easy? But yeah, so then just to just to cap off the story of all the new members, um, Jake couldn't make a tour, the bass player. So enter Joram, who uh, filled in on bass, who's just a virtuoso, also from from that, who also plays bass and direct it now, uh, plays guitar and rustering plays keyboards in the solution now either way saw joram play bass with us on that one tour loved joram i was like well fuck i want you in the band but we already have a bass player you play keyboards like that's like for yeah. some reason my like my mental take like i mean i we can use them and then of yeah. course joram ends up being an amazing keyboard player just because they're so friggin' gifted and um then Joram joined and also really kind of became a the the second equal backbone of as like as Ryan when it comes to like shaping songs. So like yeah. now all the songs kind of go through me, then to Joram, then to Ryan. And so what I write always changes, but now in this wonderfully organic way through two more insane minds. And then obviously the rest of the band adds all their shit. Yeah. That's how we're here. Yeah. <laughs> That's how. Yeah. Whew, short of breath. Yeah. Yeah. Breathe some more. You're not okay. Can't try again another day. When panic starts pursuing you, you sprint until your souls run through. So low and desperate. Things change and that stress that nothing more that you can do until they come and bury you. Sleep and destroy. So like it's not a like limited joy, not a ska record on a like there's no upbeats on the record. Yeah. But I mean like it's punk rock with horns. I mean, oh, was that yeah. something you always wanted to do? Something more in that but ska vein uh, or just like you're just like yeah. I just love that sound of horns and so it works and it's yeah, both because I'm a huge ska fan. Um like long time. 
(laughs) which is why I always touch on this and is like, I, I thought I, okay. So I've been a Scott fan since a a little itty, since I started playing music, the first Mm -hmm. show I ever play, I'm wearing a checkered newsy (laughs) cap. Uh, And so, yeah, it's cool. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and a Hawaiian shirt, if I'm not mistaken. So I was pulling, from my my influences yeah. of like real big fish and the hippos and less than jake and yeah. and so you know that all that stuff kind of shaped the way i like to do uh tunes but the big part of it that is like the where that that ska part and i use air quotes being a dick because i i don't i don't <laughs> like I don't like when you streamline genres. It's like, yeah. it has to be this. It's like, it's also a state of mind. It's also, you know what? Cool. Whatever. You, you, yeah. You're going to be a chore. If I, if I, <laughs> if I had to sit here and explain everything like that, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I, the pigeonholing music into genres is, is so annoying to me these days because it's like everything else is we're, we're, we're leaving the, the label world now. Now yeah. everything is fluid and non-binary, but for why, why for some reason do I have to tell Spotify that I play, funk rock you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so it's it's bizarre to me but yeah okay so i um, loved loved that but in the in like the later aughts if you will ska music was kind of going the way i think limited joy sounds where yeah. it wasn't as much of like ska bands were playing more horn tinged rock yeah if you will and and leaving that backbeat as not an afterthought, but you know, maybe not the basis in which how they're writing all their songs, because I think writing any song one way can be extremely limiting. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, you had those, you had that later catch 22 record you had, um, of course, now I'm going to draw a blank in front of everybody acting like I'm an expert, but Oh, Anthem by less than Jake, I think is a great example where, you know, it's, it's less God more rock. Like, so I feel like that is, Oh, cheer up by real big fish. So that was yeah. almost like my, my time to really when I started like really studying and diving into that style of music. And I think that's what why limited joy and why future solution stuff kind of sounds like that because that's the stuff I thought was always the strongest. Like, I mean, yeah. think of like streetlight manifesto. I know that they've yeah. got upstrokes and stuff like that, but that's its own. It's, not, it's like its own thing, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously it falls under the branch of ska and, and stuff, but it's, it's like, it's, it's so many different styles crammed together that it's almost selling it short by calling it, one and so i think that that was my big thing i mean cheer up i really fish was like an 80s hair metal guitar yeah. tone with these like train horns in the in it just like bwah, bwah. like i don't know it was it was a cool experimental time i i think for that because those bands were trying to get out of the ska wave because it had crashed at that time but they yeah. needed to stay active active and and you know relevant yeah yeah and so i think that in their minds it was like well let's pivot which i think is also a great lesson (laughs) because a lot of those bands are still here today and those records aren't 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 really tarnishing their their history if you ask me yeah so it's yeah yeah. and if anything i think when bands kind of do that thing where they regress where they're just like we gotta sound like old us it's always the worst like it never (laughs) Words Never like works, music, yeah. it's like a reflection of a place and time, not a not a reason to go backwards unless you're intentionally rediscovering something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, yeah. But what do I know? I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. How did COVID affect the release of Limited Joy and and plans oh, you had um, with that? It stunk. I was. I mean, I guess it's it's a weird thing. We were 
we weren't really like we were just getting back to being active. We had that really bad experience with paper and plastic. And at that point, I was trying so hard to distance myself from that record. Yes, I can't. Not because I don't like it, not because I don't think it's good, but the time that it took to from the closing point of Yes, I Can't to when it fucking came out after this whole fiasco, we had already fucking finished Limited Joy. We had mm -hmm. just been on a roll. We were like, oh, well, now that there's this new band, let's write all these new songs and let's get excited again. And that's when we had kind of perfected writing on our own and not really getting in the same room together. So we just wanted it out. We wanted to like show everyone. We wanted our big, you know, this is who we are party. Like there's six of us now and we're a bunch of goofs and we want to play sad, but happy music. And that yeah. was like what we wanted. Cause I mean, yes, I can. It was like this transition. It was like, again, it was like a return to friendship record. It, yeah. the, the songwriting was a little less uh, structured in the sense that like there was a lot that could be cut when you go and back to that record. Like I could have yanked one of those double choruses. It, it It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of repetition. And that's cool. That's a good way to look back at your stuff. Yeah. But Limited Joy to, to me was the pinnacle at the time of what we were capable of doing and with this new recording method and with these new members who deserve to get their faces on stuff and with this, uh, you know, happenstance that we had been making this style of music while Ska was coming back into some yeah. you know, uh, thing. Yeah. And so it was it, it hurt obviously to put it out during covid but our mentality has been the the big bands have their money in their their place so they're yeah. stepping aside for a minute during this without touring if you're a small band now's the time to try and slot yourself in there because it's it's pretty open season uh yeah <laughs> you can you can really work your way into somebody's playlist and get yourself out there um even if you're not out there right now. And I feel like people will remember the bands that got them through this horrid time. Now this could all backfire and everyone could associate <laughs> us with bad times. Um, so we're taking a risk, but what, what isn't a risk about pretending to be an artist? So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, limited joy made my best of list last year. Not that that counts for anything. It's just, yes, a, that counts for a lot. List, Thank so. you very much. Um, that means everything to me. Yeah. Uh, um, don't say that. That's so crazy. Of course, that means thank you very, very much. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people worked really hard on it and to hear that people like it. Look, you yeah, can go a million yeah. tiny things and that will equate to a million ears hearing you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, don't, we're, yeah, you're, you're, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this year, 2021, 2021. It's not 2020 yeah. anymore. It's March. I'm still all back. Who cares? You know? Who cares? Right. You guys have been releasing a single a month. What was the the driver to doing that? Just to stay relevant and yeah, a, a bit of that and a bit of just part of the quarantine thing was like the quarantine pod worked for us in the sense that like me or Jorm and I were um kind of uh linking up and writing songs in a mm -hmm. small setting and again because i mean from when limited joy was done to when it came out there's there's like a big gap kind of yeah. a thing so especially because we did it on like a af records who has like a, a set release schedule and you kind of when you work with a label you know you're gonna have to wait a little bit yeah because you got to present them the final product and then they have to 
assess if they want to put it out. And then when they realize they want to put it out, then they have to slot it and put it in their time. So there's all this time where you're just sitting around waiting for people to hear it. And I think we had just gotten tired of that. Um, and so we had been writing songs and we had been finishing new stuff. And so then we just set a goal to have a new record in 2021, just go back to fucking back. But what's, we were, we were, we were frustrated by, we've been using a lot of data to, during this time that's yeah. given for free because it feels foolish not to. And what we noticed is that streams on the later songs on Limited Joy are much less than the top half of the record. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering now, is that because nobody fucking listens to full records? And it's yeah. not not that everybody doesn't, but is the ma vast majority of people listening to music different? So then I went back and thought about how I listen to music. And I have a giant playlist called Dopest Songs. And <laughs> I I listen to it all the time. And it's a smattering of songs. It's not a full yeah. record. So we just had this like light switch moment of just like, well, what the fuck? Let's not release music the way that we've always released it. Let's let's try and do some, let's just try and do something fucking different, you know? Yeah. Like I've put out put out a lot of records. <laughs> but I, I I have too though. Yeah. And they've yeah. all been done the same. They've all been done the same way, you know? And so it was like, well, let, let's fuck it. Let's see if this is let's see if this is anything. Like, is this anything like who, you know, let's try. Yeah. And so it's cool. I don't know if it's blowing us up or anything. I think it's, it's a really great way to gauge what people like of what we're doing, where the, v the listens are coming from, how they're getting out there. You get more bang for your buck on each tune. So like, Oh my, Oh my, that was our second single. Yeah. Um, that one we all thought was going to be like a B-side track nine because we were like, fuck this song. This No one's going to like this song. That's been the one that people like. And I'm heartbroken that a little bit has been uh, <laughs> trashed. So, <laughs> hey, I got called an incel for that song. <laughs> that sucked. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I just don't think that a boy chasing a girl songwriting is like relevant anymore. Like, that's like that. That's not what it's about. Like you're <laughs> just calling me an incel, and you didn't <laughs> you didn't ask me. Uh, so that's oh. uh, that's the glory of the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, but that's been a cool learning experience too. We're basically taking this time to learn as much as we can about what is going to work because it's not like songs are. I'm not going to stop writing songs. We could probably do another record if we really wanted to. And yeah. we don't pay for recording. So yeah. we just we just keep it going. Um, and that's the plan is keep keep swimming while, while you can. I don't want to go away for two years and have nothing to show for it when we come back. Yeah. And, I mean, who knows when we're going to come back at this rate. So. <laughs> finally released as a record with a name and it's tracked it's almost like 
it's going to be a separate thing. It's going to yeah. be like a different PR push kind of a thing. So you, you almost, you're getting more with the same thing. Sure. There's songs people heard before, but there's always going to be new people trickling in. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a Venus flytrap sort of a thing, you know, like we're giving you stuff and then we're grabbing you and then we're going to give it to you again now as a different, but I mean, that's how, everything is being released these days it's like you yeah. buy a video game and then six years later they re-release it with an art booklet and if you like that stuff uh you buy it yeah <laughs> you right know? Yeah. it's like people really like curated things to what they like about stuff and this is a good way to see what they like about it and how we can give them a cooler experience when it comes out um yeah and if that fails then fuck it i'll just go back to putting out records <laughs> I guess I'm sorry it's not the same as our solution I don't feel bad because you're aware of your intrusion Oh my, oh my, we're far past the stable line It's your problem and I don't care how you fix it I guess I'm sorry it's not the same as our solution I don't feel bad because you're aware of your intrusion Oh my, oh my, we're far past the stable line It's your problem and I don't care how you fix it listening to As the Story Grows. Our theme song was written and composed by the legendary Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give the show a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, click on the Patreon link at asthestorygrows.com. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. Dying into a tomb